everybody, this is Mark, and welcome to episode 7 of the Hard Rock Core Podcast, and happy Monday to you all. I hope you all had a great weekend, you did some fun things, you hung out with friends and family. Hope you're ready for the week. It's Monday morning, it's coffee time, so let's do this. This morning, I'm drinking coffee from the Death Wish Coffee Company. This is the Valhalla Java Odin Force Blend, which is brought to us by Mr. Zach Wild. Now, as I always say, this is not a paid endorsement. I'm just sharing with you what I enjoy drinking. And this is what I'm having today. And at one point, I had this on auto delivery for about two years. So it's a delicious cup. Try some if you like it. Again, not a paid endorsement. With this being episode seven, I want to start here with a big thank you to all of you for tuning in and giving this podcast a chance. The podcast is also available on Spotify as well as on Apple iTunes and many other platforms where you can find past episodes, including the one from just two days ago with Matt McAndrew from Slaves, also Dead Girls Academy, Megadeth, Julian Kay, and a host of others. I want to give a shout out this week to Red Voodoo. Some of you may ask who that is. Some of you may have seen them on Loudwire or seen them online. Now, this is a young group of guys who are up here in Sacramento, and they've been recording with Frank Hannon of Tesla and were just featured on Loudwire for their song, Rise Up. I'm not jumping on a bandwagon. I've seen these guys here in Sacramento and know the guys. Nick, their drummer, and I have been in touch and known each other for the past couple years. I've shot uh, some of their shows for photography here in town. And besides being nice kids, they write some great music. They also do a ton of Van Halen and Montrose covers, so you can't go wrong with that. And yes, I said Montrose, as Sammy Hager is Dino's favorite singer. Expect to see big things from these guys in the future. If you like the podcast and the conversations I am bringing to you, head over to the YouTube channel where you can find the podcast as well as other interviews as well, including Julie and Kay, Currents, and I got a bunch of interviews coming up, lined up here, including Heaven Shall Burn, Enough's Enough, Lucifer, Dark Sarah, and many, many more. Don't forget, you can message me here through anchor.fm by clicking message on the main page. What do you want to hear on the podcast? What do you want to know about the bands? And what do you want to know about me? Ask a question, leave a comment, praise me, punish me, let me hear from you. Welcome to the Hard Rock Core Podcast, Episode 7, where I have my conversation with Michael Grant of Michael Grant and the Assassins. Michael took time out of his busy schedule to talk about life as a father, the Beatles, Prince, finding a drummer, his influences for his new album, Always the Villain, and a possible move back to Northern California. And I know some people out there always want the drama, but there is no drama in this episode. We discussed Michael playing all the instruments on the album, minus a few drum tracks from his buddy Shane Fitzgibbon. This was a great conversation. It was open and it flowed naturally. And those are the best conversations I'd like to bring to you, the listener. You can find me online at hardrockcore.net, which has links to all of my socials, including Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and YouTube, and all of the podcast information. And if you find it in your heart, please like, follow, and share the Hard Rock Core Podcast. As always, thanks for listening and enjoy the conversation. And how's fatherhood treating you? Fatherhood is treating me very well. It's definitely not without its challenges, as, uh, as you may or may not know. 
but uh, you celebrated your first Father's Day yesterday. So congratulations. Thank you very much, man. I truly appreciate that. That's definitely a, definitely still adjusting to the fact that I'm a father. Like sometimes I'll look at my daughter and be like, oh my God, I'm your dad. Like, whoa, this is either the best or the worst idea. But, um, <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's, there's like that, that quick jolt of stupid thoughts. And then you realize, man, this is the most awesome thing I've ever done in my life. The most important thing I've ever done. And, you know, it's a, it's a gift and a curse to have a baby at this time, being that it's crazy and turbulent and, you know, pure insanity going on from every, you know, from every turn. Uh, but also the upside of, you know, you get to spend infinite time with your baby instead of missing out on moments being on tour. I'm just fucking with FaceTime, you know. <laughs> that's a huge thing. I mean, so many people, you fa- you found the, the beauty in this situation right now, not the negative thing, because there's so much negative Absolutely, with it. Absolutely, man. Now, I always try to gear towards all the positive things that I have. And, you know, I got a lot to be blessed for, regardless of what's going on. It's, it's crazy, no doubt. But um, but I have so much to be grateful for. I mean, like, my baby is happy and healthy. You know, there were no complications or anything like that. That's that's another thing that could have happened. And, you know, I was blessed to just have like a perfect baby girl. Her name is Michaela. That's, that's awesome, dude. You'll probably have some songs. Oh, they're all, yeah, they're on always a villain, bro. <laughs> nice, dude. So, so let's, let's they get don't into sound it. Like, they don't sound like baby songs or anything like that, but you know, that was a huge slice of the inspiration behind the album. Dude, that's beautiful. Are, are there any specific songs that stick out that you say, yeah, this is definitely her? Anthem of Us. Nice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think uh, if one were very lyrically intuitive, they might piece it together if they listen and, you know, listen to the lyrics. That's that's a good thing, man. So many people have written songs, you know, family, but that that childhood moment and becoming the parent of becoming what you grew up with, you know, and, and the roles reversing on you now. It's, it's right. a really cool thing, man. It's it's, it's huge, man, and uh, it's it's all the things that people told me it was going to be and more. And, and what what you know, were you the... have a lot of people. You have a lot of people that'll come to you and like, oh man, it's going to be crazy. You know, your baby is going to be hell having a baby. And then some people will tell you it's going to be hell. Don't ever have kids. And there's some people who are just like, oh my God, it's the best thing in the world. And, you know, and, uh, when you haven't had a kid yet, you're listening to both sides, uh, undiscriminately. But when you finally have a kid, there's just a shift and a change that happens within you in a multitude of ways, ways you didn't even expect. You become kind of a different person. Or you're that same asshole that is unchanged and unaffected and feels nothing from the experience. And you could be that guy, but like the route I ended up taking was, uh, was just like, it was just a world full of wonder, you know? And it was all positive and such a beautiful experience can't be replicated. There's no live performance that could replicate that shit. It's a completely different, different mindset. Different. You're, you're just changed. Like I said, if you're not changed, you're probably a horrible person. 
Um, for those of us that do endure the change, we are good people. <laughs> well, no matter what, man, you've got, you've got a piece of you living on and carrying you and your family into the rest of the world, you know, and exactly. that, that's a beautiful thing, man. Forever carrying on the legacy till the next generation and, and, and to the day I die, you know? Or that point where she grows up and has her own child and you're going to go like, see, I told you so. It's going to come back and get you. Exactly. Love of my life right there, dude. That, that's awesome, dude. So let's, let's talk about Always the Villain here because you have taken the Lenny Kravitz type approach and did pretty much everything yourself minus your help from your buddy Shane. Was that your goal right. when you set out to do this album? That was not my goal at all. I wanted to find a solid lineup and we would crush it in the studio together. And after going through so many drummers um, and guitarists, uh, they just didn't click. And uh, some of them were very undependable or unprofessional or flaky. And, um, you know, all the while I'm dealing with all of these unprofessionalisms and flakiness and all this stuff. I, I have deadlines to meet, to deliver an album. And, uh, it was that pressure of like those deadlines that kind of was the catalyst for me taking the reins in every with every instrument on the album, as far as the recording goes. <clears throat> um, so it was, in the, I guess it was out of necessity. Uh, I'm glad it worked out that way. I think some things are meant to be the way they, you know, they were just meant to be a certain way. And I think this was the route I, I was uh, supposed to take to get the full musical vision out there, you know? untainted by outside influence. It's all like an exploration into my head, um, almost down to almost every single instrument. Yeah. Every word, everything. It's all me personal. There's literally no, I had complete creative control over this, which I'm so thankful for. And that kind of gets rare in the music business, but obviously the folk at, at frontier, you know, had your back and said, go ahead and do it. They give you the blessing. Love, love the guys from Frontiers. They took a chance on me. Uh, I think they didn't know what to expect. They heard, uh, I think, Death of Me. I think Death of Me was a, Death of Me and Give Me Salvation were the two tracks they heard. And um, they like just from those two tracks, they gave me a deal, took a chance on me, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity. And they're uh, they're awesome. It's a good sounding album. And the thing that's unique to me, because obviously you're a rock and roll guy, but you've got a lot of different roots. And when I listen to how you phrase some of your vocals and some of the melodies you put in here, in here, I feel like an early eighties, like new wave punk type vibe infused in there. Am I off? Is that in your history or what? You couldn't be, you couldn't be more on bro. I think, um, you know, from my time in, in the bands that I've played with in my past, I think people think I'm only that one gear or, you know, just that genre. And, um, 
I think without even trying to do so, uh, I guess I crafted something that was pretty diverse. And those are, those have always been the albums that I've loved throughout my life. Prince Purple Rain, Smashing Pumpkin, Siamese Dream, or Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, you know, Radiohead Kid A, uh, Led Zeppelin Four, uh, you know, Beatles White Album, Lenny Kravitz, Are You Gonna Go My Way? You know, those kind of records, um, not that I could replicate its greatness, but the, the spirit of what those records kind of present, you know, what they envelop, what they, they culminate. I was trying to just tap into a little bit of that because those are the albums I love, you know, albums that didn't have a single gear or two gears. It was just like, you know, you had that rock track and you had the acoustic track and you had this electronic track. And, you know, I'm also very influenced by, by bands like The Cure, Depeche Mode. And so I think all those influences, man, um, you know, whether it be from rock or Michael Jackson or whoever, it just ended up seeping through in one way or another. An 80s new wave, bro, has a huge, huge, huge influence on me. And it, it's evident in the sounds. Now, when you recorded this, where where did you record and, and who did all the knob twisting for you? I did all the knob twisting and I recorded everything. Uh, on the drum tracks, I, had, uh, I recorded at a studio in Pomona, which um, the name escapes me at the moment, but it was, I did the, all the live drums at a studio for all the songs in like one day. It was an exhausting, tiring, very trying day, but I got through it luckily. And the end result is what you hear. And when you were doing that, were you putting guitar stuff down first? Were you doing drums first? What, what helped you get through all that? Well, uh, for the drums, I'll actually program like, you know, fake drums to the song so um i know exactly what i want each part to kind of sound like and uh that'll be kind of like a skeleton and over these very realistic fake drums i'll record bass and guitar usually guitar actually first and then bass and um you know whether if i want some kind of like keyboard texture i might lay that down and once the right music vibe tone is set then I'll start singing over it and seeing what feels right to me, what, what doesn't feel right. And, uh, yeah, the end is what you hear. Definitely good vibes to him. What about Shane? What about his parts? I would have, uh, whole songs done and I would give it to Shane. I would like email it to Shane. Shane would then study it and rehearse it a little bit for like a day. And then he would, crush it i think we did two two different drum sessions for his for his i think five drum tracks that he did on the on the record and um one of them was a pretty funky we set up a studio in this dude's home in silver lake and i'm i'm super grateful that they did it but it was it was it was pretty <laughs> it was pretty gorilla style how we did it and then the second time we did at another studio and it was just a, a great experience because the facilities were 
really studio quality facilities, you know, like what you would expect from a, from a, from a good studio, like beautiful rooms, excellent acoustics. They had, you know, really great drum mics and, uh, everything you would need for a great drum track. And he just did, uh, you know, nightmares. Um, I forget all the tracks he played, but they're on there on the album. <laughs> well, that, that's a, you know, I, I think Shane's a, a great drummer and, and I think your guys' chemistry is evident, very evident. Uh, you know, your, your past working relationship is, is obvious and picking him, I think was a great choice and, Absolutely. I wish she, I wish she could be our touring drummer. That would be amazing. But he's uh, moved on to some pretty huge things himself. Well, are, are you in the process of auditioning members now trying to get that next step together? Where are you at with that? Well, I have a basis. Um, we have a drummer that we're using for live shows and for touring right now. His name is Nick Mason. Um, but otherwise, you know, until he's permanent, we're definitely still uh, accepting applications, if you will, for the drum spot in Michael Grant and the Assassins. Um, so we'll see how that works out in the future. Do you always find it the hardest to find a good drummer or, or more difficult to find a my bassist? Whole, my whole life, bro, it has been, it has been the thorn in my side finding that dream drummer who just gets your musical vision and, and, you know, crushes it and is professional and is dependable and all the qualities that you seek. Um, it's really hard to find that. And, uh, I'm still on the hunt. It's my unicorn. One of these days. Well, I think as a musician, you always, and I, cause, because I play as well, I, you want the people oh, nice. that you vibe with and you sit in that room together and you play and you just look at each other and you go, that was it. Or you do exactly. something different. You fuck with each other with, with the way you look at each other and you sense something different. You just do it. That true chemistry. That's when the magic happens. When you just feel the energy together. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely looking for that vibe. It's, it's, it's rare to find though. I mean, some people will go their entire lives never finding it like love <laughs> that becomes some of those elusive things that people never find, but that finding that music thing. Now, obviously we're in a very weird, weird state of the world right now, but incredibly so bro, things start to open up. I mean, are you looking to next year to set dates? Where, where, what are you looking at right now? Right now we're setting up a Asian tour for 2021. That's looking pretty promising. And, um, that'll include, uh, I believe Japan, uh, China, Singapore, Thailand, and Philippines, I believe. Um, so we're going to do that next year. And for this year, we're going to see how shit goes and kind of take it slow and maybe do a couple soft opening type shows, where you know we come back and see how it goes, and uh, if everything is all good, I would love to proceed with a full scale tour. Although I don't know if this year is the year that's going to happen. To be honest, so it's a very tricky time to be releasing an album and having to navigate through all these challenges and obstacles and 
and we're all going through it together. Like uh, all my musician friends are going through something similar or, you know, definitely feeling the pain, the, the repercussions of all this bullshit that's going on. But, um, yeah, we're just trying to get through it, man, figure it out ourselves. We've got plans to release, uh, a, a, a video, a music video for, uh, our song nightmares. Uh, that's coming out in like a week or two. I think it's going to come out right with the drop of the album or something like that, I believe. Maybe a week before. Um, but as far as immediate tour plans, it's, it's, it's looking kind of bleak. I think I'm starting to see some bands drop dates here and there. They all seem to be in the deep south, whether it's Arkansas or something like that. People are throwing yeah. dates out there, but... I don't know if we're ready to get there or if it will get there. Safer thing maybe to keep doing the live streams or, or small scale things to show that you're active. Cause I, I don't know what the answer is. Cause none of us know what the hell the I clubs think, are doing. I think that's going to be, you know, that I think that's going to set the tone really, uh, you know, zoom performances, social media, live streams. Um, I think that's going to be it for a while, dude. And, to be honest, I don't know if I'm ready to jump back in that pond with uncertainty, especially being a new father. Um, I'm not interested in bringing, you know, illness or sickness back home to, to my girl or my baby. So I think I'd have to feel really safe or at least somewhat safe. The illusion of safety. Yeah, that's a, a very weird place to put us in so it, during this lockdown time how have you what have you been doing to occupy your time how have you been writing newer material hanging out with the I've little been, one i've been writing i've been writing uh, here and there when i can it's it's a new challenge trying to find the time uh when you're a new father just because uh, the little one takes uh takes up all the time and she's at a delicate age right now where you really got to watch out and, you know be a good parent and stuff. And it's also pretty exhausting. Um, so I'm losing a lot of sleep, <laughs> uh, being a dad, it definitely includes, uh, losing a lot of sleep. I'm sure all the dads out there feel me on that one. You, uh, there's no set schedule for sleep anymore. It's literally, you just got to take micro naps here and there when the baby's asleep. Almost and, like um, being on the road, I guess. Pretty much, man. Pretty much. It's, it's, it's different, but you know, it has its similarities. Uh, I try to take it real easy. I've, I've been uh, running a lot, going on a lot of runs, trying to fill that time whenever I can. Um, trying to stay creative as I possibly can, either writing, you know, some acoustic tracks or, you know, diving into a new track, um, uh, for the second record. Um, you know, pretty regular stuff. Netflix, Amazon Prime, you know, Xbox. <laughs> I got off the Netflix thing, I think, two weeks into the damn lockdown. I said, I'm done. I can't, I, I'm out. I can't do it anymore. I lost interest, man. Because you already watched everything on Netflix? It seemed like that. It, it went by right? too quick. They don't, like, they don't update it fast enough, man. You end up, like, absorbing their entire catalog in, like, a couple nights. Yeah, I saw Tiger King. I'm, I'm done. Uh, you know, 
How crazy is that? Yeah, and all you wanted to do was kill Carol Baskin, bro. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, God, this girl is so annoying. She is so guilty. How is this bitch not in jail? Well, I'm gonna, I'm going to take this somewhere else now, and I'll, I'll leave it with this because the the times I've seen you play live, you were always given a spotlight to do obviously a cover song, and right. you doing that is pure magic. Have you ever thought about or going down that road of putting that on tape and maybe not doing it such a glossy studio version, but kept capturing a live version of you doing it and putting that out of doing a print song. I've never, I've never thought about it. Also. Yeah. I've never really thought about it because, um, I'm thinking about it now. It's been brought to my attention a few different times from a couple different people, uh, the impact it had. And I think since sometimes I can be so aloof in my artistry, I don't realize how big of an impact it might've made. And uh, a lot of people have requested it being recorded. Um, it's definitely something I'm open to. I'm such a huge Prince fan though, that I feel like I could never do the song justice. And um, I'm thrilled that people think I did the song so well, but because Prince is one of my heroes, I'm usually not down to cover anything. I don't feel like I can do, like I can do better or I can do differently. And I know my version sounds somewhat different than Prince, but in my eyes, I could never do better than Prince. You know what I'm saying? And um, so I feel like there's a part of me that feels like, why attempt it? But then there are some times when people bring it bring it up to me where it makes me think like, well, maybe, you know? So I think that slight insecurity kind of uh, prevents me from, or, you know, it depends how you want to look at it, as an insecurity or as, as, as tribute or honor, you know? Um, I would have to really be impressed with the version that I did in order to release it. Just to stand next to that same kind of greatness is such a daunting task. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you're covering a Blink-182 song or something like that. Like you're, you're now touching on a legend. And before I fuck with, you know, putting Bowie, Beatles, or anything like that, or, 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 you know, anything that I feel is like legendary to tape, I'd have to feel really confident about it, you know, because it's so, it's such a high bar you're operating on when, when, when you decide to cover Purple Rain. And like, there's a couple of people that have covered Purple Rain and I ain't afraid to say it horribly, horribly. And I don't want to join that pool of <laughs> dudes who did purple rain wrong, man. And I think, like you said, you know, Prince was in my mind and many, I mean, he was fluent on so many different instruments, but what he did and how he did it was pure magic. Nothing but maybe, magic. Maybe a, even his live version. Like I could never touch upon his, the magic of, the, of his live version or a Super Bowl performance. You know, I mean, like, I can just never do it at that caliber. So it's one of those things. It's like, you know, it's it's like a musical god, if you will. 
and and unless I can truly do something the justice it's due, I'm not even gonna fuck with it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's how that's how the the artist in me feels. Now if it's something if it's something else that's not of that caliber and I can bring it to a, a higher level, I'd be down for that. You know, but that is like trying to cover Tiny Dancer and do it better than Elton John or trying to do Blackbird better than Paul McCartney and the Beatles. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. No one's ever covered Dear Prudence better than the Beatles or, you know, performed it better than the Beatles. And there's so many people, artists I love, who covered Dear Prudence. And I'm like, not even close, bro. (laughs) Not even close. I think there are just some artists, some bands out there that are just such genius. And you mentioned the Beatles still, we're talking 55 years later and people still haven't, you know, put notches anywhere near what they did so many years ago. Not even close. That band is in a a different stratosphere and different atmosphere than most artists. And most artists will never even touch upon even a percent of the genius and the masterful works of art that they produce in such a short span of time too, man. I mean, their life as a band was, you know, most, some people put out two, three albums in the, in the amount of time they put out their entire catalog. That's the other thing. I mean, it's, it's not like they were pumping these albums out slowly. They were just like, boom, 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 hitting you in the face with amazing hits songs that became, you know, legendary and iconic for generations till now. So, I mean, that kind of musical legacy, man, most artists will never reach. It's, it's, it's unicornish. I think that's the thing that many people, older generation may, but the, the youth, they don't understand that the Beatles only got to play live for a couple of years and then their amps and PAs, were outdone by the, by the screaming crowds and they were done. They didn't play live yeah. anymore. This total studio band from that point on and a couple lucky performances for people who caught the rooftop performance right. in New York. Right. You know? But that's about it, bro. And pure you know, besides genius. That, besides that, they were completely inaccessible, but there's an element to that, that I feel, um, that I feel would kind of be the catalyst to what they sounded like in the end. You know what I mean? And them being locked in their own world, pretty much just their own world and, and George Martin producing everything. Uh, I think that's part of the magic. You know what I mean? They no longer were trying to write for what sounded, because you know, when you're a live band, a lot of times you write for what sounds right for a live setting. Now their compositions were just like, whatever's in our head, let's just do that. And that's where the true art comes from. Oh, you know, absolutely. it's no longer, it's new long, it's no longer, you know, covers of, I saw her standing there and, you know, baby, it's you. And I want to hold your hand and she loves you. It becomes, you know, Blackbird revolution, you know, white album, rubber soul. Like it, it changes. It, just, it, it morphs. It becomes Sergeant Pepper. It becomes, you know, that, that's I think that's how those uh, strange brews are brewed. Absolutely. And then, again, that's just the pure magic of those four guys who all wrote, they all sang, and they all brought it together and made that magic happen. 
just phenomenal. Those are one of one of my first, uh, you know, megalithic heroes for me. One of the, one of my strongest musical influences are the Beatles. I mean, in my living room, I have a I have a gigantic Beatles poster, and it's the only musical artist that dons my my home. There is no other artist around. It's just a picture of the Beatles, and it's gigantic. Well, that's awesome. It's, uh, the, the White Album sessions, and it's just it's beautiful. Well, that's phenomenal. It inspires man. me. We all have those gods, so to speak, who do what they do to us, and obviously they've got that power. So you know, all... yeah, infinite, infinite star power, infinite impact, like forever. Especially if it catches, if one of these artists catches you at the right time in your life, you know what I'm saying. Absolutely. So like if if you discovered the Beatles at 10, it's a very special thing. You know what I'm saying? Because it connects you to every time you hear a song and as you get older, you're, you'll evolve with them and you'll grow with them. But like the way that a band impacts you in your youth is, is pretty different than when a band impacts you in adulthood. I feel, what do you think? I agree, man. I agree. There are bands that, I can still go back when I was seven years old, 10 years old. Those things have, whether they have the same meaning now or not, because I was more impressionable, they still carry the weight of this is why I do what I do now. This is why I'm involved in music. Right. This is what gave me the passion for it. This is what made me play you know, drums, guitar, whatever. This is what right. brought me to my path. And that was, you know, we all have might, those. You might think something like, oh, that's where I got that riff. Right. <laughs> you, you, you know, you, you remember an old 90s classic or something like, oh, shit, that sounds like that riff. But nobody knows because it's forgotten now. Right. Or you go to those obscure B sides and go, wait, I'm going to lift this riff and just put it in a different key. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to tempo it down, you know, (laughs) a couple B, a couple BPM. So nobody catches on, you know, but, um, you know, the greatest artists in the world were doing the very same thing. If you want to look at like Led Zeppelin, Elvis Presley, you know, they're all emulating. They're all, in in essence covering what they admired, who they admired, you know what I mean? And uh, a lot of them were like, you know, for Zeppelin, it was, you know, blues artists. Yep. And, uh, you know, for Elvis Presley, it was rhythm and blues and, you know, similar things. Yes. So it's, it's funny how that, that, how that works. It all becomes the evolution of music. And here we are, you know, many years later, and we're still talking about, some of those original people like that, which is phenomenal. You know, those creators are still with us regardless of age. They're still, I think that shows their true, uh, you know, relevance to music because even 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years later, whatever the case is, you're still talking about it. They made impact. And the thing that's scary though, is we're losing a lot of legends pretty, pretty quickly. I mean, it's dominoing where a lot of these legends are it's becoming a dying breed or extinct, if you will. And that's a scary thing. You know, we lost Bowie and Petty very close together. And, yeah. you know, Cornell and the, the list goes on. I don't have to remind people. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a trip to think, you know, like where it's scary to think like, I don't want to lose Paul McCartney. No. You know? I don't want to lose Ringo. Oh, there's only two left, man. That's 
you know, we're down. But yeah, yeah bro. He gets Little Richard Prince, you know, the list goes on. And exactly, we, I don't want to lose Keith it. Richard. I don't want to lose Jagger. You know, but um, but people are just dropping, and it's it's a scary thought. And you know, I hope everybody gets to live a long, happy life, man. But it's heartbreaking every time we lose another legendary artist. Absolutely, man. But you know, I, I, I know it's late and I do appreciate your time today, man, and your conversation very much. And uh no problem you know, for man. doing this with me. And if you get up here in SAC, dude, let's sit and do this together in person. We'll we'll have a long conversation about these bands and artists and what they mean to you. Definitely, dude. I'll be super down for that. Awesome. Man. Like I said, I just I just might be moving back into the hood or somewhere nearby. Maybe not a grove south sack because I don't know what it's, what's going on, but last time I saw South Sac, it was not in the greatest shape. Well, you get up here, start looking around, dude. Drop me a text. Give me a call. Let's hang out. Definitely, bro. Sounds good, man. Awesome, brother. Take care of yourself and take care Stay of the little touch, one as well. Thank you, for, thank you for the support, bro, and I really appreciate that. Man. All right, Stay dude. safe. Take care of yourself. All right, man. All right, buddy. Later, brother. Bye. And there you go. That was episode seven of the Hard Rock Core podcast. And special thanks to Michael Grant for joining me on this episode. And thank you for listening. You can find me online at hardrockcore.net, which has links for all of the socials, in which I hope you can connect with me there as well. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, hit the star button, like it, share it, follow it, and tell a friend. Stay safe. Stay true. Tell your family and friends you love them. Give them a hug. Thank you. And have an awesome day.